other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, it's no secret that Rikers Island is still a mess, and so are New York City's jails. With that in mind, we have the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, Damian Williams, calling for a federal takeover of Rikers Island, the infamous prison complex that covers literally an entire island. And now the judge that would have to make that decision expressed strong disapproval for the city's management of its jails. Mayor Eric Adams, not surprisingly, defended his handling of Rikers Island in his first public rebuttal to the U.S. attorney yesterday, and uh, he said that the long-troubled jail is making progress and that they need some more time. He said he was on Rikers Island probably more than any other mayor in the history of this city. I respect the uh, U.S. attorney in the Southern District. I think he's a a great leader there, Um, but something is just not adding up. That I went from Eric is turning the corner to now we need to place it in in receivership. As of now, Rikers is under the oversight of a federal monitor, which only has the ability to make recommendations. A receiver would have far more power than a monitor currently does and could actually take control over the entire Department of Correction. Nobody's more in favor of fixing New York's jail system than me and fixing Rikers Island specifically than me. I don't necessarily think that just putting the federal government in charge is a way to fix things. We've seen adding layers of bureaucracy and having the federal government take things over oftentimes makes things worse. You can like the job Eric Adams is doing or you can dislike it, and I didn't vote for him, but ultimately we have the ability to vote for people, and those people are the ones responsible for making these decisions. If Adams isn't doing a good job running the city's jail system, let's throw him out of office and let's put in somebody who can do that job. Let's see where we're going with Rikers, and if these changes aren't made, and if we don't see significant progress, let's get a new mayor who can make those changes. So I don't think a federal receivership is necessarily the answer. We saw when Bernie Carrick was the corrections commissioner, Rikers had about two or three times more inmates, and yet they had half as many incidents of violence and other infractions. We've seen city government solve these problems before. We didn't need a federal receivership to come in then. I don't know that we do now. Beam me up! To be continued. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Other side of midnight. Local spotlight. everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. We've been spending a lot of time talking about these Gilgo Beach murders. While it's great that they've made an arrest and there seems to be a person that is responsible for at least three or four murders, a lot of questions have been lingering about 
why it took them so long to make an arrest and to find out who was responsible for the murders. There are so many questions about the former police chief, Jimmy Burke, who went to prison himself, and the role of the former Suffolk County DA, Thomas Spoda. All indications are that Spoda not only refused to cooperate with the FBI, but he was outright hostile towards the FBI as far as their willingness to participate in this investigation. And I, among others, have been asking the question, why? Spoda is also currently in federal prison. He was sentenced in 2019 on charges of witness tampering, obstruction of justice, and conspiracy. Keep in mind, this is the former top prosecutor in Suffolk County. It all began about 11 years ago when a heroin addict named Christopher Loeb stole a duffel bag from a squad car used by James Burke, who was the police chief. Inside the bag were not only Burke's pistol, gun belt, and ammunition, but also sex toys, pornography, and Viagra. Loeb was located, arrested, and put in restraints before he was taken to a precinct house. There, Burke arrived, along with other detectives, and they assaulted him. Loeb complained to the U.S. Department of Justice about the beating. The four cops agreed to stick to a story that the uh, assistant DA created for them, and Spoda was in on the plan the whole time, because he and Burke were buddies going all the way back to 1979. Well, it's funny, I heard from somebody that was recently an inmate at the Federal Correctional Institution at Danbury, Connecticut, and he tells me that he observed Spoda. He was in the same unit, same wing as Spoda, and he had a couple of interesting observations. One, he said that Spoda spent most of his time in prison around pedophiles. He spent time socializing and gravitating towards the pedophiles. Read into that what you will. But also, Spoda did something very smart. In order to avoid being shanked or assaulted or bullied by any of the other inmates, Spoda helped everybody that wanted help in Danbury, and as far as I know, he's still doing this, with their case. He would review their cases, try to help them get an appeal, and apparently gave them very sane and sober legal advice. So while uh, Spoda being sent to prison might be the best thing for the residents of Suffolk County, it might also be the best thing for some of the inmates at Danbury Prison. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Have you heard about Daniel's Law? Daniel's Law is a New Jersey law that was signed by Governor Phil Murphy three years ago. And it was named for the slain son of a federal judge. And it was intended to keep judges, prosecutors, and law enforcement officers safe by allowing them to prevent the public from knowing where they live. But in New Brunswick, the law is being used predictably, to halt legitimate debate about a public official's residency. There's a fascinating column on this in the New Jersey Monitor written by Terrence McDonald. And even worse, the same anti-transparency push that's allowing New Brunswick Police Director Tony Caputo to threaten a journalist with criminal charges for reporting that Caputo lives in Cape May will soon allow mayors, council people, zoning officials, and other local government officials to keep their home addresses a secret too. State lawmakers have already done that for themselves in February. So they're expanding Daniel's law. It used to be only for prosecutors, judges, and law enforcement officers. Now it's expanded to state legislators, and pretty soon it's going to be for almost all politicians. And Jennifer Borg, who's a media law expert, had some very interesting 
interesting things to say on the subject of Daniel's Law, and I think she's exactly right. While she called it well-intentioned, she said it goes too far by criminalizing the reporting of truthful information about matters of public concern in violation of both the First Amendment and the state constitution. Allowing reporters access to officials' home address can result in important scrutiny of public employees' conduct. So this is what Jennifer Borg said. Making home addresses public has helped reporters uncover that Mark Meadows, Trump's former chief of staff, was simultaneously registered to vote in three different states, that Justice Thomas sold property to Texas billionaire Harlan Crow and failed to disclose the transaction, and that George Santos lied about having a real estate portfolio. These stories show that allowing reporters and the public access to home addresses can result in important scrutiny of public employees' conduct. So I don't think Daniel's law should be expanded. In fact, I think it should be very limited. In New York State, for instance, you know the home address of any person that wants to run for office, whether they end up getting elected or not. It's good for transparency. It's good for government accountability. Daniel's law should not be expanded. And I would love to see someone that lives in New Jersey think about challenging the constitutionality of this law in court. I hope you do. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. I want to be careful here because the last time we heard a similar story to this, it turned out to be untrue. But if this is true, I think this is a real shame and that is a dramatic understatement. The Albany Times Union reporting that a Super 8 motel in Rotterdam, New York, abruptly kicked out guests from all of the rooms at the establishment to make room for asylum seekers. That's according to town board member Joe Mastroianni. I don't know if this is accurate. So far, the only thing we know about this is this town board member has said it. And I am hesitant to jump the gun because the last time even public officials were getting involved, even nonprofit group heads were getting involved, they claimed that a bunch of homeless veterans were kicked out in order to make room for the asylum seekers. That turned out not to be true. And uh, we all had a little bit of egg on our face for talking about what a tragedy this was. That being said, I think we ought to look into this claim and if any business hotels motels holiday inns are actually kicking out paying residents paying visitors who are legally in this country who have every right to be here and who've paid for a room and who've gone through all the proper procedures in order to get a room if they are being kicked out just to make room for the migrants because the government is guaranteeing a lengthy and easy payday for these hotel and motel operators, then that is a real shame and it should be prohibited. They shouldn't be able to just kick out people because the government's going to foot the bill at a higher rate for a migrant that they have an obligation to house. So I want to look into this claim from Joe Mastroianni more closely. And if it turns out to be accurate, then I think this calls out for state legislation. And I don't think it's anti-migrant to do so. I think it is pro-American and pro-New Yorker to give people that have come there first the right to stay. Beam me up. To be continued. 